Hello, hello. Hey up, what's up, what's good? Que cosa sucede? Ni hao, pubiet. Welcome to the Any Given Runaway Show. I'm your host, Randall Carlton Green. Any Given Runaway celebrates the exploration of new cultures by highlighting some of the most interesting, intellectual, and artistic people in the world. Everyone has a story. Each person a scholar. We have an outstanding show for you today with an extraordinary guest. Simply extraordinary. Wellness and health expert and vegan and vegetarian chef Leslie Durso joins the show. Food does more than supply us with nutrients and the energy that we need in order to be functioning humans. Food is about culture. Offering food to others, especially strangers, is a fundamental part of hospitality in many, many, many countries. Think of how many amazing conversations, business meetings, and important family gatherings have food as the bedrock. Just as travelers love to exchange information of the locations they visited, exchanging recipes is one of the simplest yet most rewarding aspects of humanity. And because of that, we need chefs. A chef needs to understand the nutritional aspects of the cuisine they're preparing, but also has to have a full awareness of popular trends, ingredients, and lifestyle choices that fluctuate from year to year. And when it comes to having a vegan or vegetarian lifestyle, there is no chef on the planet better than Leslie Durso. She is the glowing face of a fresher plant-based movement that refuses to compromise style for sustainability. She's been walking the plant-based talk since the age of eight. And with that, the Southern California native has been well ahead of her time. She works as a consulting chef for hotels, resorts, and restaurants around the world and is currently the vegan chef at the Four Seasons Restaurant Resort in Punta Mita, Mexico, and the Four Seasons Resort of Biltmore in Santa Barbara. In addition to her culinary expertise, Leslie was known as the lab girl with Bill Nye the Science Guy. Leslie took her love of education and shifted from science to plant-based food. After establishing herself as a private chef for the New York City and the Hollywood elite, Leslie emerged as a public persona, hosting cooking segments on television and online. She's determined to inspire beneficial lifelong eating habits for everyone, and her show Accidentally Vegan can be seen on Fab Fit Fun TV, and she regularly appears on The Doctors, Food Network, The Discovery Channel, Hallmark Channel, and has written for Veg News, CNN.com, Redbook Glamour, and more. Even Maxim Magazine wrote, we want to hire Leslie as our own personal chef. We'll even eat vegetables for her. Leslie is an established animal advocate and proud rescue dog mom. She is a founding Next Generation board member of the Humane Society of the United States. And on top of that, she's an avid traveler and music lover. When you summarize all that's in her bio, I knew it was going to make for an amazing conversation. In fact, I was blown away with my enjoyment for our conversation. And we talked for such a long duration that we have to break up the show into two parts. Part one airing today for episode 385 and then tomorrow for episode 386 We'll have the second half. On today's episode, we focus on Leslie's culinary background and the challenges that came with having a vegan lifestyle at a young age. Because although vegan and vegetarian options are more frequent now, in the years past, it was a considerable challenge to find options that fit her lifestyle. And she frequently had some negative experiences with people who didn't approve of her lifestyle. Leslie also chats about what it's like creating a menu and how she makes it a point to be unique while serving the popular staples. And finally, on today's episode, Leslie shares with us her favorite dishes from some specific cities around the world. One of her recent projects was Around the World in 80 Plates that discussed some of her top food choices from areas around the world. And, and I put her on the spot with some rapid-fire questions. This episode was a lot of fun. What I love about Leslie is she's a talented chef but is also incredibly knowledgeable about, about nutrition. She's an advocate for a plant-based movement but doesn't look down upon anybody who, who has different views. She wants to encourage people to live a healthy lifestyle. And she's certainly a role model for nutrition and wellness. Just a, such a joy to chat with and I'm thrilled for everyone to meet her. So let's go ahead and bring on 
vegan chef and wellness expert Leslie Durso. And let's learn. I love that. Well, thank you for having me on. I obviously love traveling and really tried to figure out a way how travel could be my work as well. Um, so yeah, that's so cool. So cool. I love it. And I love that, you know, you quoted Bill, who I used to work with when you said that Bill is the one who's famous for saying everybody knows something you don't. Book number two, I use that quote from Bill. When I found it, I'm like, this is my, this is what I say. So it was fantastic. Yeah, I, I use that I love quote. it. I know. Well, I think a lot of people say it. I just always, he said it to me first. And so I, and I know he said it in a lot of interviews. So I just always think of him as inventing it, even though I'm sure he yeah. did it. Yeah. When you're at home, are you cooking? Or is it one of those things you're like, when I'm home, I got to get away from it. Or let me order out. Let me let someone else other than me do the food. Um, D, all of the above. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, yes, I've been working my butt off on the computer all day and end up eating popcorn for dinner, or I just get inspired and excited and will spend six hours making a dinner just for myself. Or sometimes it's just like, yeah, I just want to go out in the world, see what else is happening. Leave my, leave my house. The all the above is a perfect answer. Vegan lifestyle is very common now. Restaurants are starting to have vegan menus. But you're not someone who's jumping on a new trend. You've been plant-based for most of your life. So what do you remember about those early years with food? And what was it that initially inspired the plant-based mindset? So I stopped eating meat when I was about seven. My parents argue about whether it was seven or eight, but I don't remember. Uh, I do remember that I didn't like the taste of meat. And something just struck me inside and said, don't eat it. You don't need to eat it. You don't need it. And then when I became an adult, I continue to choose to not eat meat for all of the reasons um, that are out there, environmental, um, animal welfare, and health issues. Uh, and so it's just become such a huge part of my life. But people don't, I feel like such an old lady saying this, people don't know what it was like That's to be plant-based that long ago. That's why I asked, yeah, yeah. Oh my God, I used to literally, like the only um, non-dairy milk on the market was powdered rice milk that you had to stir in water. It was so disgusting. And now, I mean, non-dairy sales are out selling dairy sales. It's just, it's incredible. I mean, you can walk in any restaurant basically and be able to order a meal. You can go to any grocery store and find a plethora of, um, products for you. I mean, I literally had the produce department when I was a kid. That was it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just, it's incredible how fast it's going and how fast it's taking over, um, which is really exciting to see. How about just the difficulties of a kid? Because here you are making a proclamation at that age, but it could be easy to be swayed one or the other, especially with your friends, it's limited cafeteria menus, field trips, all the above. I'm sure there were times where it was just difficult to continue doing so. Yeah, but I was a very hard-headed child. I, I made declarations when I was a child that I, many that I still have today. It's really bizarre. I just am very passionate about the things that I believe in and just kind of stick to my guns. I'm not kind of a wishy-washy person. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was difficult. Peanut butter and jelly sandwiches were my best friends. I'd take them everywhere. <laughs> I'd always have them. Um, at pizza parties, I would just pull that cheese off the pizza <laughs> and eat the rest. And, you know, luckily I had really fantastic parents and family. It wasn't that they completely embraced me and said, sure, let's do this. They still eat me, uh, but they didn't want to make me wrong for the choices that I had decided to make. And that was 
the like most beautiful gift a parent can give a child is to not make them wrong. And so they really just encouraged and they encouraged me to get in the kitchen. I'm Italian. And so I've been in the kitchen since I could stand practically. Uh, but it just, it just pushed it even further. My mother at the grocery store would say, okay, great. Go, go to the produce department and pick something out. And I would pick the weirdest, craziest vegetable or fruit I could find and say, this is what I want. And she'd say, okay, great. And we figured out how to make it. And, and it was just exciting time. And, yeah, it was, it was really beautiful. But yes, I was looked at a little strange. I was the only, I say I went plant-based at seven because I wasn't drinking milk and I wasn't eating eggs, but there were a lot. I wasn't reading labels. I didn't know there were eggs and cookies and cakes and things like that. So all that came later. So I, I wasn't vegan. I don't ever claim to be vegan when, at seven. I am now. Um, but yeah, I mean, it definitely was was challenging as a kid, but I think challenges when you're young also just, um, and not like this was a huge life hurdle, but I think making decisions when you're young and being around people that uh, support those decisions and the way you want to live is it, it, just such a, it's such a gift. Well, it brings me to the most important question. On the peanut brown jelly, still a big staple of my life, crunchy or creamy peanut butter? Oh, Either, whatever I have in the fridge. I really, I do truly like both. Um, I actually had a peanut butter jelly sandwich for lunch because I had three minutes in between everything. I literally looked in there and I was like, oh, I have homemade strawberry jam that I just made two days ago. Perfect. I'll have BB and J. Well, that was going to be my next question is what's the, I always t go from jam to jam changing me up so you don't get too dull strawberry. And I think, I think strawberry is the best one, your choice on the jam. I love strawberry. I also really like blueberry. Yeah. Really like blueberry jam. There's a nice sugar-free one that I like, but uh, it's, yeah. it's harder to well, find you know some other flavor. I don't like? I don't like orange marmalade. I haven't done that. I like cooking with it in different ways, but I really don't like it on a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I think those people are weird that do that. I'm not into <laughs> peanuts and oranges together. I don't know why. It's a weird combo. I don't, I don't love that combo. Well, I'm team crunchy all the way. Whatever it is, anything that has food that can crunch in it, sign me up. So yeah, I'm strictly, strictly you're team a texture crunchy. guy. Love it. <laughs> you're currently involved with several different restaurants. And I'm curious, when it comes to creating a menu, how do you balance being creative, having new ideas, but also having items that are traditionally popular that people want to expect when they go to a restaurant? And then additionally, when you work on a new location, how do you keep that menu unique, but also consistent with your past successes? Yeah. Um, oh my gosh, that's a lot of questions. <laughs> Yeah, and I guess maybe if you start with if you start with the locations you're with. So I do uh, restaurant consulting for resorts primarily, mm -hmm. and so currently I'm at the Four Seasons in Punta Mita, Mexico, which is my flagship property with over 200 items on the menus. Mm -hmm. I do the Four Seasons in Santa Barbara, which is still currently closed um, because of COVID. I do the um, Sundance Resort in Utah, outside of Park City, which is a beautiful ski resort. Um, and I'm about to do another one in Mexico, but we'll keep it secret. And all so right. within all those properties, I like doing resorts because there's multiple um, restaurants there and you really have the opportunity to tell a story. And I think those are the places where it's most challenging to travel as plant-based or someone with a food allergy, because oftentimes you go to a restaurant and great, they've got a vegan option. That's all you need. You just need one because you're just going to eat there once or you go back to that restaurant when you want that particular item. But when you're at a resort and you're on vacation, the goal of the resort is to keep you there and to not leave the resort to go eat anywhere else. So you really have to have not just one option, not just two options. And in the case of the Four Seasons in Punta Mita down in Mexico, 
we have 200, so you can stay for over a month and never eat the same thing twice. Uh, so we really cater to people, and that was really important for me because as a child, um, as supportive as my parents were, it was really difficult to eat out. I can't tell you how many garden lettuce salads I ate when we were traveling because we were big road trip family. Mm-hmm. We'd travel to Arizona all the time. We'd go out to the Grand Canyon and, and the national parks. And so, you know, we'd have lunch or dinner at any of these little roadside places. And an iceberg lettuce salad was really what I ate most of the time. Um, my parents weren't big junk food people, so I didn't get French fries very often. That's oh. the other staple at every restaurant. Yeah. And so it was just really important to me because also it was also really embarrassing as a child to, to pull the waiter over and say like, well, like, is there anything you can make without meat or animals? Especially back then. Yeah. Yeah. Especially back then. And it, it, a lot of people really made me feel really horrible for the decisions that I had made. And I never want anyone to feel like that, whether they're choosing to have this diet or again, if they have an allergy and it's not something that they get to choose. I don't want anyone to ever walk into any of my restaurants and feel like they are not a priority for that restaurant. And this isn't a, okay, let me go in the back and see what the chef can make you. I don't think that has any peanuts in it. You might be okay. No, absolutely not. Every restaurant that you go into that is mine, you can come in, sit down with any dietary restriction and be directed to the menu items that are already printed there and the chefs are prepared to cook for you and not feel weird at all. It seems like those negative experiences have really yeah. impacted you in so many ways that you're such an ardent supporter of that and you're more passionate of your life because of the negative experiences. Yeah, and look, I'm not saying that it has to, you have to be all vegan and the whole restaurant has to be that way. It's why I don't have any vegan restaurants and why I work with resorts and places that serve anything because my dream is that anyone, no matter how they want to eat, can all sit down at a table together and have a meal and exchange love and exchange joy over beautiful food and no one feel weird about it. And so I don't think that's that much to ask. It's not, again, I'm not telling meat eaters to stop eating meat. I'm not telling vegans that they need to eat meat. I'm not telling anybody anything. I'm just trying to provide a beautiful place for everybody. Love that. What was the biggest eye-opening thing you learned about a new culture, about opening a restaurant in a new country? Um, oh gosh, so many things. I love traveling, obviously. I've yeah. been a lot of places in the world. And so one of the most exciting things for me when I work with a new property is really diving into the local culture and the local ingredients, anything that grows within you know, a five, 10 mile radius of where I'm working, how to use it. Um, you know, I'm using the Four Seasons in Puntamita as another example because they have um, jackfruit trees on the property and they weren't using them in Mexico. Jackfruit is eaten as a sweet, as a fruit, but we know it in the U.S. because it's becoming quite popular as a savory item when you, when you cook it young and unripened. And so I was trying to get some in Mexico because I wanted to make jackfruit carnitas for the menus and people like really didn't understand why I wanted a unripened jackfruit and what I was going to do with it. They don't taste good. They just didn't get it at all. So finally I asked one of the gardeners to cut down one of the jackfruits on one of the trees locally since none of the providers could get us an unripened one. And the chefs all looked at me like I was totally crazy when I cooked up that jackfruit. 
but they were all blown away when they ate it. So it was so fun. And it was taking the traditional um, dish like carnitas, taking those traditional spices and just adding a new twist element into it and getting people excited. That's in Nayarit, correct? Yes. It's about 40 minutes from Puerto Vallarta. You fly into Puerto Vallarta. You described your perfect meal as vegan nachos. Great choice. I think chips and salsa slash nachos is one of my favorites as well. I'm curious as for you, what's the most requested or, or appreciated meals from your followers? Oh my gosh. Um, vegan nachos is definitely up there. And I have two versions of it. I have the version that I've always had and that was on Food Network and BuzzFeed and that got me a lot of press at the beginning. But then also... Um, then I work now with FAIR, the Food Allergy Research and Education Foundation. And so I created a nut-free version of my nachos, which has just opened the floodgates. And people are, are super excited about that one because there are so many people out there with nut allergies um, and dairy allergies. So to create things that are creamy and mimic um, dairy without using dairy nuts or <laughs> Any of that is really a challenge, but it's also really, really, really fun. So I'd say that one is probably the most recommended. There's so many. There are a lot of people love the pizza recipes. Um, I love pizza. I'm a little pizza obsessed. I've eaten my weight in pizza. Mm -hmm. When I'm in Italy, I have pizza every single day um, for lunch. It's, you know, it's a thing. But you're in Italy and, you know, things magically happen in Italy where you just eat all day and you don't gain any weight. Well, I got to ask a question about pizza because people often joke the pineapple one. That's just, I think it's more of a caricature of what should be on pizza and what should not be. But when I was in Amsterdam, you want to talk about what the things that can be on pizza that can be found on pizza. It takes to another level. I asked them about it. They said, come on, you know, we're the 2 a.m. food place, capital of the world. We're going to have some interesting ones. So for instance, tuna on pizza. Yeah, a little different. I didn't, haven't had that yet, but I have been not willing to try it yet. But Do what are- Do they put are, cheese on it with tuna? All, all normal, just with tuna on top, almost like sardines, oh, wow. I guess. Oh, weird. Because, you uh, know, that's very anti in Italian culture. They really don't ever mix cheese and fish. It's like a big no-no. I guess Amsterdam, you know, they're encouraging all the people coming out of the bars at 2 a.m. They'll eat trying anything. Trying new things. Hey, I'm all with, for trying new things. <laughs> with that being said, what is your favorite obscure ingredient to have on pizza? Oh, gosh. Um... You know, it's funny. I haven't really thought about that because I like really simple traditional okay. pizza because pizza for me is all about that beautiful crust from a wood fire oven and delicious tomatoes and fresh basil. Um, so I, I love a pizza marinara. Actually, one of the best pizza marinaras in the country is in your home city in Phoenix at Pizzeria Bianco. Mm -hmm. Chris Bianco, Chef Chris Bianco does uh, some incredible, Incredible, incredible pies. Yeah. Um, but then also, I mean, I love arugula on my pizzas. I love wild mushrooms. These aren't anything exciting. I'm trying to think of something exciting that I put on my pizza. But we need jackfruit. I mean, you could easily put barbecue jackfruit on a pizza with some um, pineapple and call it a day. I mean, that would actually probably be pretty good. I don't think it'd be a pizza at that point, but um, I think it'd be pretty good. You talked earlier about you wanted to you wanted to work and travel. You wanted to find a career that allows you to travel. And with that, one of your recent projects was Around the World in 80 Plates. So what's the premise and what inspired its creation? Yeah, that's the show, um, my, a digital show that I actually 
film in conjunction with FAIR, um, Food Allergy Research and Education. Uh, and so we, or I, the whole, before COVID, the idea of it was that I traveled all over the world to these different places, would take their national dish and make them top nine free. Um, and so take all of the allergens out of them so that people with allergies would be able to enjoy these dishes. And then when COVID hit, we decided to film it in my kitchen. And so we're, we're filming it in my kitchen. We're about to start season two in a week. Uh, so I'm super, super, super excited. The first season took us all over the place and had some really fun special guest stars. But again, it's going to these places um, in these countries and really like learning their cuisine. And when I go to a new country, I always meet up with chefs and I'm always meeting people and exchanging ideas. Sometimes I work in those restaurants and then more so I love meeting the people and I love meeting older people because those are the ones that all the magic is hidden with. And so I love cooking in kitchens with them, sitting down, going to the farmer's markets with them and really the farmer's markets, they just call them markets in most of the world. We're the only people that call and them. They're on a different market. level in Europe. So I know. Well, really all over the world. Um, some of my favorite markets ever are down in Peru. Okay. I've spent quite a bit of time down there and oh, it's the only place in the world where I can go to a market, look at, well, what we would say a farmer's market, look at the stalls and recognize like three things that are there. They grow the most wild, interesting things in Peru. They grow over 3,500 varieties of potatoes. I mean, red potatoes that are red on the inside with yellow stripes and wow. speckles and browns and, and, um, and pink potatoes and purple potatoes, dark blue potatoes. I mean, it's just, it's incredible, the produce that they have there. So I just, when I go to Peru, I like to go to the market, walk up to a stand, literally buy one of everything I don't recognize, bring it home and like just open it all up and just eat all of it and figure out how I can make these things. And it's interesting because my friends that live in Lima, I'll always be cooking for them and, you know, doing stuff. And they think it's so funny because I'm using their ingredients, but in ways that nobody's really thought about doing it because I have no idea what it is. I'm just strictly going by, um, you know, the taste and the texture of what's in front of me. So it's, it's super fun. It's one of my favorite places to cook. When cooking ignorance is bliss, is a folly to be wise. I guess that's perception on that. Uh, <laughs> and Peruvian food, underrated regional cuisine, one of the best in the world, in my opinion. Definitely love. Yes. With all your travels, on your website, you list all the, your favorite places in the world to eat. So I got some rapid fire ones. I'm going to pull up your website here. I'm going to name a location. I'd love for you to tell me your favorite dish from that location. Sure. I mean, these might be outdated since I didn't get to travel at all. And well, that's not true. In 2020, I, in January, I had the pleasure of going to South Africa for my first time. But other than that, I didn't really do any traveling in 2020. So some of this stuff might be slightly outdated at this point. And apologies if it is. Well, let's start with South Africa then. South Africa, favorite dish. <sighs> Um, so I didn't really get to eat out much. I was on a safari um, at a friend of mine's private house. So, but you know, I, you can't keep me out of the kitchen. So I went in and I worked with all the women that um, were in the kitchen there and like got to learn how to make so many cool dishes. And we exchanged so many different ideas. It was really funny. They really wanted to learn how to cook Indian cuisine, uh, which I actually know a lot about. So it was really fun to get to teach them. And they taught me all sorts of um, South African dishes. Uh, but really, it's, there, it's really just about the produce and making these beautiful stews and, and dishes just highlighting the produce that they can grow seasonally. 
How about we'll right, start off very rapid fire? <laughs> my I promise. Favorite... Next one will be a one-word answer. <laughs> well, the next one's my favorite city in the world, and that is Paris, France. So Paris, France. Paris. Paris is a hard one. Paris had. Oh God, I already said I was going to do one-word answer. Okay, I'll allow I'll... it. I'll allow it. You're talking about my city, so I'll allow it. Pastries. I mean, you have to. Paris is the city of pastries. Forget the city of lights; it's the city of pastries. I mean, and you can find vegan croissants and tarts and everything imaginable there now. And so, those you know, I'll eat my weight and croissants every single day. How about a, a location that is tourist based and maybe doesn't have much of a home regional cuisine, but that's Las Vegas? Yeah, a you little know, bit of everything. Yeah, that's why Vegas is cool because they've got more Michelin star chefs in the world uh, all in one city. And there's mm -hmm. so many, I mean, Vegas is becoming an incredibly vegan friendly city because they get it, they're on board, they know what it's like. Um, I'll have to say favorite vegan dish in Vegas is probably the tacos at Taco Terrian. Works for me. Rome, Italy. <laughs> her eyes are lighting up. Listeners, her eyes are popping out of her head right now. So Rome is like my home away from home. I love that city so much. On a good year, I'll be there five or six times in a year. I just love Rome. Um, oh my gosh. Uh, where? Oh my God. One dish? I only get to pick one dish? Well, one from Rome and we'll do another. I'll do another Italy uh, city in a second. Okay. Um, I'm going to say Da Francesco. They don't necessarily have vegan stuff on the menu, but it is one of the best restaurants in Rome. And if you tell them they're vegan, it's easy, no problem. They will make you whatever. Um, but I've had some unbelievable food in Do at Gio Francesco. In the summertime, I'm usually there during porcini season. Oh my God, just like to die for. Fresh porcinis in Italy, nothing like it in the world. And the wine pairing is what? <laughs> wine pairing for that first course it because usually i do the fresh um porcini shaved really thinly with just some arugula some beautiful olive oil a pinch of salt and this and a splash of lemon juice and so with that i would do like a light crisp beautiful white wine i'm doing the hands the two hand emoji just to her answers because her eyes are closed i feel like this is a, a religious experience in a lot of ways yeah, I, I get a little nerdy about food. <laughs> <laughs> Another city that doesn't necessarily have a great reputation for its home regional cuisine, but has a lot of diversity, tremendous diversity, and a lot of great restaurants, London, England. London, yeah, but you know, London is such a melting pot yeah. of, of different kind of um, cuisines. And so, and there's also a lot of vegan happening in mm -hmm. London right now which is really, really cool. Um, I would say go for Indian food. There are so many great Indian restaurants there. I can't even tell you. They're literally on every single freaking street corner in London. Those are all really, really awesome. I know you didn't eat French fries as a kid, but going to a chip shop in London, a chip yes. is fantastic. Yes. The only thing I have to be careful about with eating chips in London is that I have a seafood allergy. And so a lot of times they fry the fish yeah. and chips in the same fryer. And so 
that's kind of a bad thing for me. Um, but also I highly recommend almost all of the high tea shops in London have a plant-based high tea. It's so fun. It's such a neat tradition. And I love um, finding things like that that are so special to a city that have been, that are being adopted um, to, to be open to anybody with um, any restrictions. So find a, a place in London that'll do a good um, vegan high tea. Love it. We'll return to Italy for our last one. Another wonderful city in Tuscany, Florence. Ah, probably on the show. It's probably on the show. It's it's people's most favorite Italian city. Really? Yeah. Um, I love, I love, 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 love Florence. I have a ton of friends there. There's so many. My favorite gelato is in mm. Florence. Uh, Gelardia di Neri, which is fantastic. They have vegan and non-vegan flavors. I love it there. Um, but gosh, there's so many great places. Um, there's a place called Locale, which is a beautiful bar that I love seeing it. It's like you walk downstairs and it's technically like, it feels like a basement, but that's because it is in the old historic Roman building. So, you know, like everything Roman times is underground basically. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's down there and there's all these original alfresco uh, paintings and, it's just magical and it's just such a fun place to get a cocktail and, and people watch. Have you been to places where the food is less than stellar? And the first place I think of, like, I never want to go to chain restaurants, but by day three, it's like, yeah, I got to go to a chain restaurant. I had to go to Planet Hollywood because there was nothing else I could eat. And that was, that was in Iceland, in Reykjavik, Iceland. I ran out of food options. So has wow. there been an experience like that for you? Uh, yeah, but kind of for other reasons. I've not been to Iceland yet. Um, that was, I was supposed to go last Christmas. Uh, so hopefully that'll be on the dock again, maybe in the near future. Um, but I'd have to say, and I know this sounds terrible, but I will say, um, mainland China, the smaller cities, um, not the big cities. Hong Kong is actually one of my favorite cities in the world to eat in. Um, the bigger city is not a problem, but once you get out into the country, Less options, yeah. There ain't a whole lot to eat. And they're whole, they really like putting yeah. fish in everything. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was, I ate a lot of granola bars that trip. <laughs> yeah, Iceland, there's it's just a lot of stew, with a lot of meat stew. You run out of options. So you run out there's not that many options. vegetables up there. No. How about have you been to Dubai? Not yet. So the diversity um, there, I'm going to put it, it's like Vegas or London as far as diversity for food especially just on the waterfront, every location was a different regional cuisine. It was fantastic. Ah, that's exciting. Again, I was supposed to do a whole Middle Eastern thing um, a couple years ago. Uh, in 2019, the Four Seasons was kind enough to name me one of their master chefs of the Americas. And the master chef of the Middle East was this fantastic chef that I just totally clicked with and bonded with. And the funniest thing is he's a butcher. <laughs> He has a steakhouse uh, in Abu Dhabi, uh, and so I've I've always wanted to go and visit him and get in the kitchen. And he always said that his kitchen was open, and that when I got there, we could do a little pop up and do a little vegan menu pop up on his at his, his butcher's. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I've been looking forward to doing that. I actually really, really want to do it. We're gonna call the pop up um, Beauty and the Butcher. <laughs> That's perfect. That's perfect. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. Much appreciation to Leslie. For more information, visit leslieDurso.com or give her a follow on social media. And be on the lookout for part two of our conversation, which will be airing on episode 386 tomorrow.
my new book. Curiosity is currently available on Amazon. Curiosity celebrates the knowledge that strangers have to offer. Everyone has unique expertise and endless wisdom awaits the perpetually curious. Featuring 200 episodes from the Any Given Runway show, Curiosity explores the diverse lives of athletes, adventurers, and performers. From daring voyages across the Atlantic to unforgettable performances in the West End, Curiosity celebrates the sophisticated thing we call life. Everyone has a story. Each person is a scholar. Thank you for listening. Fill up that passport. I'll see you on the road. Aviento. Aviento.